here on this earth as human beings, of course, we live in the dimensions of time and space. Ordinarily, in the, the sacred liturgy, through the, the celebration of what we know as the mysteries, we are able to make present past events, bridging the dimension of time. So often then, we recall the opening words of the Christmas Midnight Mass, that you make this holy night radiant. We say that every year on, on Christmas, and that bridges the, the gap of time that takes us back 2,000 years to the birth of Jesus. You'll notice, though, that here in the Christmas Mass in Bethlehem, the, the special missile that we use that is approved only for this particular church, there are lots of places in which I noticed that the missile has been changed to talk not about this night or today a Savior has been born, but rather to say, you make this holy place radiant. Here, a Savior has been born for us. In this holy land, we bridge that other great dimension of space. We no longer just go back in time, as it were, to these past events, but rather we get to go to the actual physical space in which these events took place, to be at the very locations of salvation history. As we gather here in Bethlehem, we hear of the shepherds, who again, it says, who here sang their, their hymn. And in just a few moments, we'll go down and venerate the star where here Jesus was born. Those two great things that define us as people, time and space, our Lord Jesus Christ entered both of those. And on this pilgrimage, we too enter into not just remembering the past, but in a very special way here. The past is truly made present again, both through time and in our case, in space as well. Now, it's a, a great joy for us to be able to celebrate Christmas Mass here in this space. And I remember when I first came here in uh, 2006 as a, a young seminarian all those years ago, I remember coming and having Mass in, in this church, and uh, what an incredible honor today to, to be able to, to celebrate Mass at this, this altar and be in this church again as a priest, to be able to be one to make Jesus Christ present across time and space again through the beautiful gift of the Eucharist. So I invite us as we celebrate this Mass especially to be mindful that Jesus Christ who was born here in the flesh 2,000 years ago, that flesh left this earth at the ascension, right near where we're staying in Jerusalem. But the mystical body of Christ, his body, blood, soul, and divinity will be born again for us today in the Eucharist at this Mass as it always is. So we are mindful in this Bethlehem, the house of bread, that the bread of life, the Eucharist, remains present today, just as Jesus was in the manger. Now, we just finished the Christmas season, of course, in our, our calendars. And uh, so 
perhaps it's not necessary for us to go over again the stories of angels and Jesus born in the manger and the more sentimental aspects, I think, that so often our Christmas celebrations at home with all the parties and feasting and everything that goes into that, I think sometimes we can, we can almost give ourselves into a, well, a sort of secular spirit with how Christmas is celebrated. So today I, I'd like to look at perhaps a little more advanced, I suppose, attitude around Christmas. And you are, after all, highly advanced theologians. Um, or at least you are advanced in the understanding of humanity. And that's really what the great mystery of Christmas is all about. It is the God of the universe, the one who through whom all things were made, taking flesh and becoming one of us. The incarnation, literally the enfleshment of the second person of the Holy Trinity. Now, when we think of Christmas, we, we often think of his birth in Bethlehem and his birth as a little baby. But today, I, I'd like to focus on a book I was reading, actually, on the, the plane on the way over. Uh, I, I always like to kind of immerse myself in what we're doing before maybe a homily will come to me and, and ask the Holy Spirit for some guidance. Uh, today, I thought the, holy, the, uh, the homily would come from being down in the cave. So um, I got nothing. You know, uh, no. For, fortunately, the Holy Spirit was already preparing that, this homily. So the, the book I was reading, actually, is um, one by a, a modern uh, psychologist, actually, that's fairly famous. You may have heard of uh, a woman. Her name is Brene Brown. Okay, I see some heads. She did one of those famous TED Talks a while back. And so, yes, I see a lot of the women are nodding. That they've, they've read Brene Brown or seen her online. The book I'm reading is one that my, my counselor recommended to me, and I had heard a number of times, so I finally decided I should probably read this. And I saw it in the bookstore and I grabbed it. And the title, Daring Greatly, is uh, the name of this book. Daring Greatly. And it's all about overcoming our sense of shame so as to be vulnerable. I'm, on, I'm only halfway through the book, but every page seems to be about vulnerability. To allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Now that, that word in Latin, the word vulnera, is the word for wounds. So to be vulnerable is literally to be able to be wounded. To be able to be wounded. The, the point of the book is that our society today, so many of us have been so hurt that we have responded to the hurt in our life, the brokenness of the world, by doing what, it, what is natural, and that is we want to protect ourselves from ever getting hurt again. So if we've been hurt, well, then we, we put on our armor, we cover ourselves up so that that's never going to happen again. Or if we hear about other people that have been hurt, and like, I am never going to let that happen to me. I will protect myself. So if we've had a friend and a friend betrayed us, the natural response is to say, well, I'm, I'm not doing that again. I will just never trust anyone again the way I trusted before because I trusted and look what happened. I got hurt. We see this in, in marriage, even sadly, between spouses. A lack of vulnerability. I've been hurt before, maybe by my spouse, maybe through some past trauma. 
I've been hurt and therefore I am not going to totally give. I will keep up barriers, obstacles. Obstacles that ultimately block love. There cannot be true love and sacrifice without the willingness to be woundable, to be vulnerable. I think our society today has been so hurt and so traumatized that all around we have this incredible fear of being hurt. That's the essence of the the first half of this book, Daring Greatly. Brene Brown is encouraging us to put aside all the, the cloaks of armor and everything that we would do to keep ourselves from being wounded and instead take risk. Risk to be a friend again, even though you've been hurt. Risk to share yourself, even though perhaps that trust has been abused and betrayed. Be willing to be the first one, to be vulnerable and open with your spouse, even if you think you might get hurt. There's that modern song of Simon and Garfunkel that I remember that, you know, a, a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. You know, if I never loved, I never would have cried. I'm a rock. I think that's, that's a great theme song for our modern culture. People who were made to love and be loved by God, who instead, because of our hurt, because of all the crying, instead turn it around and say, well, if I never loved, then I never would have cried. If I'd never let myself be vulnerable, then I never would have been hurt. Or so we think. That brings us to this beautiful mystery of Bethlehem. Here, God, I said, became one of us, took on flesh. God, we know theologically, was perfect in heaven, a perfect trinity of persons, because ultimately without someone to love, you can't love. So our God is trinity. They can have perfect love between them. But there is, in my prayer at least, what came to me is that there was one thing in heaven that God could not do. That old thing, is there something that God can't do? Can, can God make a rock that's too heavy for him to lift? And, you know, theological, philosophical impossibilities like that. But there is at least one thing that came to my mind as I meditated on this that God could not do. And that is that when God, before the birth of Jesus, before the incarnation, Although perfect in his Godhead, God could not suffer. God was not vulnerable as the Trinity in heaven before the incarnation. What happened here in Bethlehem is that when God took on flesh, now God himself, powerful over everything, allowed himself to take on a form in which he was vulnerable and could suffer. And what could be more vulnerable than a little baby, totally dependent upon his mom and dad? Now, we might 
think that, well, if we risk being vulnerable, then we might not see the consequences. We might get hurt. If I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt. The great story of the incarnation and love of God is that he knew he would get hurt and yet chose to be vulnerable enough to take on flesh and become one of us. Jesus suffered for us and he knew it would happen. In fact, it's precisely because he knew that we would betray him, that we would break our friendship with him, that we would not live up to match his love. It's because he knew that he would get hurt that he came. We will live this out as we go to the places of Jesus's crucifixion, his passion, but really it begins here in Bethlehem. We know the incarnation took place in Nazareth at the Annunciation, but really Jesus was well protected in the womb of Mary, the most perfect human being. But here in Bethlehem, as he leaves the safety of Mary's womb, this is truly where passion begins. It's here, passio means suffering. It's here in the flesh of Jesus entering the visible world that he allowed himself to begin to suffer, to be vulnerable. And we see that right away this, this little baby, God, is in danger for his life. Just a, a little ways away down the, the street is the church of the Milk Grotto where tradition says this is the, the house where Mary and Joseph lived in Bethlehem, where the, the Magi arrive. It says they enter the house. We'll see the, the cave in which he was born. There's a different word in the scripture. When the Magi come, they enter the house. The church of the Milk Grotto is believed to be on the side of their house. And the tradition there is that Mary was nursing the baby Jesus and had to flee in such haste that some of her milk spilled on the ground and the, the stone is all white there. Whether we believe the tradition there or not, what is true is that Jesus, as a little baby, was in danger, vulnerable, and had to flee to Egypt. I think as we come to Bethlehem then, at the beginning of our pilgrimage, not only is it just appropriate that we start here where Jesus got his start, as it were. But I think it's also important spiritually for us as we enter into our pilgrimage, there are many stresses and things that, that push us and, and pull us. Our default reaction is always to try to put up barriers, obstacles to protect ourselves from what, as human beings, we naturally see as a, a threat almost of some kind. How appropriate then that here we start with vulnerability, like the Christ child on that first Christmas. You know, Mike is always talking in his, his rosary meditations about this, really what, what seems like a, almost a mission from the Holy Spirit to inspire deep friendship, good conversation, and pray the rosary together. What's the, the number one thing that prevents us from having deep friendship and good conversation. Well, it's a fear of vulnerability. I can't really be someone's friend if I'm not willing to risk being vulnerable with them. Why do we have 
terrible conversation. Why do we need a mission to have good conversation? Because most of our conversation is about things we don't even really care about or that don't matter. Because the things that really hit us intimately and deeply, if I'm to share that, I have to be vulnerable. And so what do we do? We, we talk about the weather and sports. But go Chiefs, right, Mike? Okay. Yeah, we, we dodge intimacy. Intimacy is what we're all called to. And we won't have that unless we can be vulnerable. To share our very selves with someone, to take a risk knowing that if I share this, what if they don't like me? What if they laugh at my story? What if they find my weakness repulsive? What if they can't relate? Share anyway. Take the risk. Be vulnerable. Simple as inviting someone over to your house to pray the rosary. Who cares what your, your house looks like? Look at where Jesus was born. The shepherds had no fancy house. Jesus had no fancy house. Rather, shepherds are vulnerable to the elements, the sky. Little Jesus was so vulnerable, they had to find a cave, the best they could do for him to be born. Where are you hiding? Where do you need to be more like the shepherds, more like the Christ child? Where do you need to be more vulnerable? As we come together then at the beginning of our pilgrimage, I invite you to be open to that. Where are you hiding? Where are you not showing forth your true self? Where are you called to deeper friendship and intimacy? That word intimacy is what we're, we're all made for. It's at the root of love. When Jesus became man and was born here at Bethlehem, he said, I, the God of all the universe, want intimacy with you. God, who needed nothing, chooses to say, I want you. He chooses to say even, I need you. I will be vulnerable to you. And so as we celebrate the Eucharist now, and Christ is once again present in Bethlehem, as sure he was on that night, we'll go down, we'll visit the star, we'll see the little manger made of stone where Jesus would have rested on his first night. And I invite you to think of just how weak and vulnerable Jesus would have been on that first Christmas and know that he did that because he wanted intimacy with us. And now he wants us to have intimacy with each other and with him. What will our response be? We often think of ourselves laid on the altar in the Eucharist, see ourselves there offered in sacrifice. Here I might ask you to see yourself laid in the manger. Ultimately, Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must become like little children. Jesus, the Christ child born here 2,000 years ago, is the perfect example of what God wants us to be. Helpless, completely vulnerable, dependent upon Joseph and Mary. At the beginning of our pilgrimage, then, we try to do the same. We place ourselves in the manger, 
completely vulnerable and open, holding nothing back from God so that we might have intimacy. And like him, let us trust ourselves completely into the hands of Mary and our foster father, Joseph. God will protect us, even if we get hurt. In fact, because we get hurt, because we are vulnerable, we have a share in what God could not do before Bethlehem. What Paul tells us is what we do to make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. We now become vulnerable. We too get to suffer. And we do so because God first chose to be vulnerable and suffer here, here in Bethlehem.